And in spite of the way I sing, I'm really not a preacher. <coughs> Although my husband would argue that. <laughs> How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Good. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Okay, we're going to keep testing this mic. <clears throat> so this morning, I want to talk to you about Consecrate Yourself, or the title of the message is Consecrate Yourself. And the scriptures are there where you can see them, and once you read them, it'll be quite clear what this is all about. So this is the time of year the first of the year where everybody's consecrating and fasting and cleansing and detoxing. Most people are doing it from a dietary perspective for their bodies. Um, but in the realm of, of, of church, in the church, um, the top of the year is a time where many churches as a corporate body um, tend toward uh, the Daniel fast. I know we've done that many times here, right? Um, the Daniel fast or consecration, you know, or fasting one meal, some type of fasting and a type of reflection. Um, you know, those who are a little less spiritual maybe, but more on the self-help side, they do, you know, the resolutions, the New Year's resolutions. Um, but in this age of self-help, you know, you don't really see many people taking up New Year's resolutions because they're making resolutions all the time. There's always a challenge going on. You just go on Pinterest and there's a cute little graphic and there's some steps that you can take and you can be a better person in 30 days. You can be more fit, right? You can, uh, you know, we're even doing, a, um, I don't wanna call it a challenge, but we're doing 30 days to taming the tongue or we're supposed to be doing. How many people are participating with 30 days to taming the tongue? Oh, that's great, oh, there are a lot of us. So I knew that about half of us hadn't done it, including myself, I'm behind in um, taming my tongue. <laughs> but um, what I have decided to do is catch us all up together, if that's okay. Um, so we're going to make these affirmations together, and they tie in with my message of consecrating yourself. Um, so let's go to day one. Those of you who have already read it, well, you just get a review. Um, those of us who I've read this one. The lying tongue, affirmation, let's say it together. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them are crooked or perverse. Right. So that's date one, the lying tongue. So we're done with lying. Amen. We should be. Okay. Day two, the flattering tongue. Let's say this together. I will show no, par no excuse me, I will show partiality to no one nor will I flatter any man, for if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. And that's according to Job 32. That's serious, right? So no more flattering. The players cease from playing. Amen. All right. Day three, the manipulating tongue. Because I am in right standing with God, he surrounds me. Therefore, I have no need to manipulate anyone for personal gain or advantage. That's right. Day four, the hasty tongue. I am swift to hear and slow to speak. The Lord has set a guard over my mouth, and he keeps watch over the door of my lips. The divisive tongue. I will make every effort to speak words that engender peace 
and to refrain from any communication that creates disunity. Come on, somebody. Day six, the argumentative tongue. I will resist becoming contentious by respecting everyone's right to, oh, we need, uh -huh, and views, I'm sorry. I got, okay, we need to do that one again. I will resist becoming contentious by respecting everyone's right to have his own values and views. The boasting tongue. By the grace of God, I am what I am and nothing else. Amen? People always adding, I'm this and I'm that. Day eight, the self-deprecating tongue. God is able to make all grace abound toward me so that I always have all sufficiency in all things and may abound to every good work. I messed that up. Let's, let's say that again. God is able to make all grace abound toward me so that I always have all things. Okay, so there's a typo there. But we get the, and I can't figure out what it is. So I, I apologize for that. I didn't take that down right. But, ba but the basic idea, it's in contrast to yesterday, the boasting tongue, and saying all these things that you are, saying all these things that you are not, and, and focusing on the ways that you fall short. That's the tongue meditation of today. Don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about yourself in a negative way. You know, God has graced you and you have everything you need and you are sufficient by his grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. So those are, those are the first eight days. Today is day eight of 30 Days to Taming Your Tongue. So if you haven't gotten into the book, um, or, or like me, you haven't quite gotten to um, day eight, except for what we've been doing here, then I encourage you to do it. Um, it is definitely life-changing. I know Deborah, well, I met Deborah Smith-Pigay years ago. We did a conference together down in Savannah, Georgia, and that's where I first met her. And she was just very down to earth, and I didn't know she had all these books. And between that week, that first weekend, I think I bought every book she had on that table because she's just such a phenomenal speaker, and she has a practical way of dealing with life's issues and helping others to do the same. As a matter of fact, she has a book called Managing Conflict God's Way. And even though none of you have ever read it, if there's ever been a conflict and I've ever been involved, I've used the things I learned in that book in our dealings. Amen? <laughs> so um, she's, a, she's a very wise woman, and we're so glad to be doing um, Taming Your Tongue together as a church. So back to consecrate yourself. You know, to be able to... Um, Keep your tongue under subjection and stop it from doing all those things that it tends toward. You need to consecrate yourself. Okay, so what is consecration? What is it and why is it necessary? Well, I'm so glad we're talking about it today. We're going to look at consecration through um, the story of Daniel in the first chapter. Now, in times past, um, when we've done the Daniel fast, or most people, when they're talking about the Daniel fast, they're saying, oh, it's 21 days. And what they're referring to is Daniel in chapter 10, when he's much older, and he, um, the, the, I think the scripture says he mourned for three weeks, or 21 days, and, um, and he went without wine, he went without all the choice foods. And that's the thing that people base 
um, the traditional, um, as of late, Daniel fast on, um, Daniel in chapter 10. And that's what we have done, you know, just following that form. There have been books about it, lots of teachings about it. And it's a good thing to do to, you know, watch what you eat for 21 days and um, in, for, for the cause of separating yourself, setting yourself apart. But if we really think about it, that's getting the cart before the horse, if I can say it that way. It's a little bit out of order. We've got to look at chapter one and understand it. And I know some people do, but I think that many of us don't, you know, um, because you know this is this is a lot of text, and we're not thinking about it all the time. Um, and every, even though you can read through the Bible many times in your lifetime, I promise you, every time you read it, you can get something new out of it. So we're going to pay close attention to Daniel one and go, and look at some of the steps that he and his friends took, and see if we can take a lesson out of that for our own lives um, and for this time that we've set apart as a church. In our own consecration, Kingdom Living is doing a consecration from January 8th to January 17th. I know some people have started already, but that's the set time that we are doing it corporately. So anyway, um, before we get into the text, let's take some time to pray. Um, I need your prayers. <laughs> and I'm going to pray to the Lord now. Um, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you want to do here. I thank you for what you want to say today to your people about consecration, about setting ourselves apart, about focusing on you and protecting the sacred things. Lord, help us to hear with ears of faith. Help us to seek understanding and wisdom in everything that is said today. Lord, I thank you that you would anoint me afresh I thank you, Lord God, that you would touch my tongue, make it the pen of a ready writer. Help me to focus on your word and your intentions alone. I pray none of me, but all of you. And I thank you for getting the glory from these moments we have together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So let's look at Daniel 1. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading because it's a while. We're going to go ahead... Um, I'll try to skip, but I think a lot of this is important. So I'll start at the top. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. 
But Daniel resolved he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the, my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17, and as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And this king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So this is a passage that is often quoted, that is often talked about in various aspects, um, even going into um, Daniel with him and his comrades, um, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We know their Babylonian names. We rarely remember and call them by their Hebrew names. But the point of it is that these four, four young men of nobility, good-looking, smart, they were the cream of the crop from the captives brought from, you know, Israel. So <coughs> we know from um, the series that Pastor Duane preached about months ago that Babylon is a type of the world. Right? Remember living and thriving in Babylon? Who remembers that series and some of the takeaways from that? And so PD talked about um, how we are to stand in this world and be in it but not of it. Well, we have a great example of how to stand and not be of the world that you're in from Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And it started with a request. It started with can we not, we know that this is what we're supposed to eat, but can we not eat that? Because Can we not drink that? Because that's going to defile us. So we've got a couple of words here. We talked about consecration from the top, and then we've got defile. So what does consecration mean? Does anybody want to take a stab at it? What does it mean to consecrate? 
And you do it in the, word, the verb form. What does it mean to consecrate? Set apart. Set apart. Amen. I wish I had some prizes, Dave Baskerville. <laughs> to be set apart. <clears throat> um, to be set apart. Let's go to James 127. James 127. Everybody there? Okay. Okay, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Study Bible version. And we know this one because PD is now preaching a series in the book of James. And um, we're going through the book of James. And verse one, I mean verse 27 of chapter 1, we went over um, not too long ago. And we focused on other parts of it. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That is consecration. That is to keep yourself separate from the world. Well, how do you do that? Well, look at Daniel and his friends. Because they were consecrating not for a church service or for ministry, they were consecrating themselves so that they could learn everything there was to learn about the Babylonians. They were entering into the service of the king, having been captured and taken out of their own land where they were the, the priests, I mean the kings rather, the nobility, and they were brought in a place to serve and absorb everything that was not like them. We can liken this to many of us who work you know, in the marketplace or in jobs outside of the church. So there is <laughs> a need for the believer to be consecrated to go into a place that is not like God. Isn't that mind-blowing? Daniel said, because understand that Babylon was not, it was not Israel. It was not a place where they were able to freely, or encouraged rather, to practice their religion. They were, they, were, they were captives. But he's in a place, you know, not like where he was from. He said, you know what? I will not be defiled. I got to be here, and I'm going to be excellent, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to submit, but I won't eat that. I won't touch that. I won't do that, because that would defile me. So we, we've heard... A quick definition of consecrate, which means to set yourself apart. Does anybody have a quick definition to offer for defile? I'll give you a hint. Look at James 1.27, what we just looked at. <coughs> huh? Pollute? To stain? Yes. To desecrate, that's another big word to define a, a, a big word, but yeah, to make unsacred, to taint, to pollute, to stain, to make dirty, to make unclean, right? So Daniel said he wouldn't make himself unclean with the food, these choice foods. This is food that was on the king's table. Now saying something like this could be like extra foul and could encourage some type of backlash. Can you imagine going to somebody, to the home of someone important? Let's say we're going to the home of the current president. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, that's where we wanna go. And 
we're at we're at the White House and we're dining, and I'm saying I will not eat this food, um, First Lady Michelle Obama. I can't eat this because this is going to make me dirty. I might be carried out. I mean, you know, of course they they go high, right? So they're not going to be rude to me. But can you imagine going to think about your boss? Think about being at school. Think about going to the professor's house, and you're eating, and you're saying, I can't eat that, I can't touch that, because um, that's going to make me dirty. <laughs> so it wasn't just a light thing of, you know, I mean, of course, and he wasn't talking directly to the king, but he was talking to the, the, um, the chief over that project of bringing those young boys in. He said, you know, yeah, this is the choicest parts. This is the best of the best. This king and his generosity was willing to give these Hebrew boys in order that they could have the best of everything, food that he ate. And he said, no, I'm not going to touch it because it's going to defile me. We don't know why Daniel thought it would defile him. Probably because, maybe because it wasn't uh, kosher, it wasn't prepared according to Levitical code. Um, but, but, you know, we don't know because the other Hebrew boys ate it. The other Hebrew boys, besides him and his three friends, drank the wine, but they decided they were not going to do it. And they asked for 10 days to be able to prove that this diet would not put them behind but would get them ahead, and they were able to successfully do that. So we're talking about setting ourselves apart. We're talking about consecrating yourself. So my first point is this. Daniel didn't wait for, you know, the <laughs> chief of the eunuchs to tell him, this is how you consecrate yourself, this is what you do. He took it upon himself to consecrate himself. I am encouraging you, even though we are fasting or consecrating as a body, I want you to do this your own way. And I'm not talking about just for the sake of being different and not conforming. I'm talking about being intentional to consecrate yourself. So that's the first point. Be intentional and consecrate yourself. The second point is this. Find out what is defiling you. What is tainting you right now? You may say, well, I don't need to consecrate. But I'm 99.9% I'm, I'm .9 sure that you need to because we all do. What is separating us from God? What is keeping us from doing what he called us to do? What is keeping us from reading this Bible? What is keeping us from living the way that he called us to live? What is keeping us from loving each other right? What is keeping us bound by this world system where we got to do what everybody else is doing? See, these other, he I don't know how many other youth there were in this class of noble young men who were going to be trained for the king's service. But there were a lot more than the four of them. And they all chose to go the way of Babylon. But these four chose to do something different because they wanted to be different. They knew that they wanted to do a good job and they wanted to please the king, but they wanted to be God's people. You can go on your job and do a great job you can be successful in the different realms um, that God has placed you in. But if he's not first and foremost, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then you need to consecrate. Okay? Something is defiling you. 
you know. Every, and it's on different levels. I'm not saying that, oh, you're tainted, you're polluted. But, you know, we live in this world. It's kind of, we breathe this air. You listen to me now, I'm hoarse. I can't breathe because I've been breathing some bad air. I work in a job. I mean, if I can use this natural example, I work in an office where, you know, I have my own office. And I have a window, and it's great. And I have my own little desk. And, yeah, that's cool. But there is a leak in the ceiling. Or there was a leak. It's an old house that I work in, so the air is not always fresh. Um, thankfully, nobody smokes now, but it used to be a person who smoked. And in the other office that I was in, when he went outside to smoke, I could smell it. And even, as, even though I don't smoke, you know, I'm breathing that in. I'm, I'm smelling the remnants of it. So if I can use that example, you, you, when you, you become what you're around, even if you're just doing it secondhand and you're not actively participating. So the goal of consecration is to not only set yourself apart from that thing that's going on, but it's to get around God and become like him. It's to get around God and become like him. So we talked about being intentional and taking, you know, consecrating yourself. And then we talked about figuring out what's defiling us. So once you figure out what's defiling you, and it could be different for every person in here, but a lot of us are into the same things. When I say that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm talking about television, social media, those typical things. And we're, we as a body are supposed to be abstaining from those things. But focus on what is the thing that's stopping you from doing what you need to be doing to honor God. Start there and attack it. Um, so when you figure out what's defiling you, then you figure out a plan. Daniel, Daniel didn't come to the eunuch and say, I don't want to be defiled, but I don't want to do, he came focused. This, this is what y'all are doing, this is what we are not going to do. He didn't just say what we weren't going to do, he said this is what we will do, he had a plan. So after you figure out what's defiling you, put a plan in place to address that. I can't eat that food, I can't eat that wine, I'm going to eat this here. That's what he determined. You know, it's great, this is a great plan, you know, people have written books about it and done teachings on it, but we lose the heart of, we lose the point of this passage if we don't make it personal. Daniel made it personal to his context and to what was going on with him. We need to make our consecration personal to our context and what's going on with us. If we're just doing what Daniel did, then it really isn't yielding as much in us. I mean, if you're doing anything in faith and, and because you want to please God, there will be some fruit from it. But it's not to just do what other people do. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? It's to figure out what is it in me that's causing me not to yield fruit. Why am I not moving in God? Why do I keep returning to the same cycle of, I don't want to say sin, but the same thing. Why do these same things keep happening in my life? Let me figure out what it is that's keeping me from getting past this obstacle. And it could be like what we've been talking about in the book of James, that it's not just about any mistake you've made or anything you're doing wrong, but trials come. And we're to rejoice, and, and they're working patience in us. But you know what I'm talking about. There is something specific that is keeping you from progressing in your Christian walk. There's something specific that is holding you back, and you've got to address it. Now, well, Courtney, it's my husband. No, you can't. <laughs> You can't, you can't fast from your husband. I mean, you, you can't, I don't even want to go there. But 
You got to figure out what it is. No, it's my reaction. Okay. Courtney, it's my sister. It's, I, I can't, you know, it's, it's these people at work. No, it's not. It's not any, it can't be anybody. And if it is rooted in somebody, then, it ha then the need that you have to consecrate and, and, and figure out what is defiling you has to come from your reaction to that person or to the situation. You know, we need to be set apart in order to have patience working in us, according to James, and, and, and what, the, what the purpose of the trial is. We need to be consecrated. We need to be set apart. So, you know, and we can't really talk about being set apart and being in this world without just touching on a few of the things that are going on right now. And I'm not going to mention anything specific. I'll wait for Pastor Dwayne to do that next week. But what I am going to say is that a lot of the things that are going on, and we even talked about it even in um, the, the uh, affirmations um, of the taming of the tongue that we did earlier, everybody has a right to their values and their beliefs, okay? We can't be so quick to just be telling, uh, talking about other people and telling other people what they need to do and all that. We, need, we do need to focus on ourselves. But we live in a world where you're going to be brought into these conversations and people are going to demand a viewpoint from you. And you need to be standing firm enough to know what this word says and, be, and have conviction and stand upon it. Don't go with the wind. Okay, so, I mean, this is a great trend. I am happy to be living in 2017 where inclusion is important and all these different things. This is good. We don't need to be um, messing with anybody's rights or anybody's pursuit of happiness. But we do need to know what we believe because if we mess around and we don't know who we are and whose we are, if we don't understand this word, if we don't set ourselves apart, if we don't consecrate ourselves, in 10 years this country is going to look really, really different for the believer if there are any left, and there will be, God willing, if we're here. There's, gonna, there's always a remnant, but things are changing. And when we don't know who we are and we don't set ourselves apart, when we start looking like them and smelling like them and dressing like them, I don't have anything against skinny jeans. You know, I don't have anything against the latest style. I think skinny jeans are going out of style right now. I don't have anything against being stylish, but it's not, and it's not necessarily about the way we look anyway, like, like literally the way we dress. That's another, yeah, it could be. Well, never mind, I don't want to go over there. But it's not literally about the way we dress or the way we wear our hair when I say look like the world. You know what I mean. It's like the things that they say are good, we say are good, we just follow. Again, it's this lack of intentionality. It's this lack of, let me customize this. When we're talking about Daniel and his fast, let me customize this to myself and my context. When the world says something, we don't even look at it through the lens of scripture. We just accept it and say, well, we got to figure out a way to fit this here. That's not the way we should live. That's not the way we should live. But that's the way that it seems the church at large is going. We're going to fit into what the world is saying is right, and we're going to find a way to function within it. But it shouldn't be that way. We need to set ourselves apart for however long it takes. So you are intentional about consecrating yourself. You're figuring out what defiles you, and then you have a plan, a course of action. Then after that, you determine how long to do it. So we're starting with 10 days because... It's a good place to start. Daniel and his friends, they took 10 days to test it out. This consecration that we're doing at Kingdom Living, 
It is to test out. It's something that you can keep doing after this 10 days is over. After 10 days, I want you to look at yourself. Whatever it is that you determine in your heart, this, is, this has the potential to corrupt me and to keep me from doing the will of God, and you, address, you come up with a course of action to, to um, address that. After that 10 days, I want you to look at your life and, and assess how you're doing, and then you figure out how much longer you need to keep going. Daniel and his friends didn't do this diet for just 10 days. They did it for three years. They ate like that the entire time that they were learning um, and, and about the king's service and learning literature. And then we see that in verse 17 that they were the best, starting at verse 17, that they were the best among all of the young men that were brought in for training. And in every matter of wisdom, verse 20, and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than the musicians, I mean, excuse me, the magicians and the enchanters. Understand that they didn't learn magic. They weren't learning magic. They were learning literature, and they were learning the language. But they were so wise that they knew more than the soothsayers in the land. Y'all get what y'all following me? So they were moving in the spirit. They were the, the spirit of God was giving them like visions and dreams. They said that Daniel could understand them, but they were walking in the spirit and they were able to know things that the king would call them the, the magicians and the enchanters to the court to find out. So they were walking not only in the at the height, the pinnacle of natural knowledge, but because of their consecration, they were walking at the height of their spiritual um, development, or, or they were walking at a height, a depth in the spirit. So that's what we want to do. That's what we need to do if we're going to exist in this world. We need to be set apart so that we can love people right. We need to be set apart so that we can talk to people right, the right way. We need to be set apart so that we can keep our minds in the right place, okay? it's a lot of stuff that's going on out here. I've been working at my job for quite some time. And some of the things I hear, some of the things that I'm exposed to as a pastor's wife, I don't even know. <laughs> it's except for the grace of God. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't even know how I've been able to stay there and not go crazy. And I know it must be much more difficult for you. You're working in the schools. You know, you got kids, and they're, they're out here, and they're hearing all of these influences. There's so much to contend with in the world. We need the Spirit of God active in our lives. We need to be plugged into the Holy Spirit. We need to be understanding this word and not just have, like, a loose understanding of, you know, open the Bible only on Sunday. We really need to understand what we believe because it's being called on the carpet right now. We have to set ourselves apart. We have to consecrate ourselves. Consecration is necessary to protect the anointing. What is the anointing? Does anybody know? We, we've been growing up, being around church all our lives. Does anybody know what it means, what the anointing is, specifically for the believer? Okay, so literally, what is the anointing? What does it mean to anoint? Okay, exactly. Huh? To select? Mm, yeah, kind of. But literally, anoint just means to smear with oil. It just means to smear with oil. The anointing, 
I have a, um, a definition here from a great man of God. Man, I, I just said man. I did not mean to say that. A great man of God. <laughs> um, pastor Sam Oye, he's a pastor in Nigeria that I had the pleasure of hearing um, him speak um, back in September when I went to Florida for a conference. And he has this simple definition. It's three things. The anointing is the presence of God upon your life, the power of God at work through your ministry, and the ability of God to work in you and through you despite your personal inabilities. So it's the presence of God in our lives and the power of God at work in us to the point that he is able to do things or help us to do things in spite of our personal inabilities. When the anointing is compromised, then we're not able, there is no presence of God on what we do or say life becomes hard because we need the anointing in order to do what we've been called to do. And more, more specific to just, you know, to the Christian, we, we became anointed when we became born again. So we're anointed by Christ. So we are anointed if we're born again. But they're different anointings, right? But the tangible presence of God on your life and the grace, the grace to do what he's called you to do, the grace to stand, to have courage under fire, that's what the anointing is. And without consecration, the anointing on our lives is not protected. So, Courtney, what do you mean by that? Well, if you think about anointing oil, remember a couple of years back, Nakia made us some anointing oil, and it has specific components. And those components were chosen because of their value. It took something to make anointing oil in antiquity. It took something to create that oil. And so when a priest was being smeared with oil, when they were being anointed with oil, they understood that it was a great cost. It was, it was a great value. And I think many times, because of the culture that we live in, we don't understand how precious it is that we are born again. Sometimes we take for granted the blood of Jesus that was required so that we could be with God forever. And we don't, and you know, we get familiar, oh, I don't, you know, all church people, church this, this, that. We get familiar with every, all of the things of God and we don't appreciate the cost, that it costs a precious, sinless life for us to be standing here. And even outside of what Jesus did, you know, even that we're here today, there's a cost. We take things for granted. But there's a cost, those of us who are descended from slaves that were brought to this country against their will, there's a cost for us to be here. But we don't think about there. There's a cost. There weren't always African-Americans working at United. Somebody paid a cost. Somebody kicked open a door years ago, and you're able to go to work. You know, but we don't think about those things. You know, I'm on, I'm on the road driving to work. Oh, God, I got this commute. You know, but somebody made a way so that I could get that job. We take things for granted. We don't think about them. Well, it's the same thing in a spiritual context. We have to remind ourselves of the cost, of the value, of, of, of how precious it is that we are God's people and that we have something worth protecting. That's what consecration is for. We want to be with God. We want to be strengthened by him. We want to be called away. We want to be set apart from the things that would taint what God has done and how he has made a way for us to be his people 
and most importantly, how he has put us here for his pleasure and to do his will. We must be different from the world. If we're like them, then we have no power. If we're like them, it, sounds, it, it, it even sounds harsh to say, I don't want to be like them. Because it's not that we're better. You understand the difference? It's not that we're better. It's not that you know, we're, we're being haughty. It's that we have to be careful because something is at stake. So in closing, I want to say this. It is so important to consecrate yourself. Um, I want to go to my final scripture in Joshua, Joshua 3, 5. It's important to consecrate. It, it's, it's necessary. It's vital because... Joshua 3 and 5. Consecration is necessary to behold the wonders that God wants to do in our lives and in our midst. Actually, let's start at verse 1 in Joshua. Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. Let's pause for a moment. So what's happening here is when the Israelites who were in the wilderness for 40 years, and then Moses died. Everybody familiar with that? Moses died, and then Joshua was anointed the new leader, and his mandate was to take the people into the promised land. Okay? So before they could get to the promised land, there was this river that was overflowing, and it was just, they had to cross that river. And they stood there for three days or trying to figure, you know, they, that, that river was overflowing, was doing all the stuff that it was doing. And it wasn't really clear to the people how they were going to make it to the promised land if they had to cross that river in the state that it was in. So Joshua told them, consecrate yourselves. I'm sorry, let's go back to, yeah, verse 5. Let's go to verse 5. So Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. And then he said to the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. And so and it goes on. And so we know that they crossed over. They crossed over. But it wasn't just an easy thing. It was something that they needed faith. They needed, I mean, it was, it was an amazing feat. And what happened was they didn't just cross the river. That, they crossed the river on dry land. It parted. Just like the Red Sea had parted 40 years before for when, when they escaped Egypt and came into the wilderness. Now the river was parting for them to cross over. And he told them, consecrate yourself because the Lord is going to do wonders. So the, la the, the last part, the last point I would have you to keep in mind from this time before you today is it's important to set ourselves apart to get to get around God to get in his word to be empowered by him so that we can prepare ourselves for the wonders that God wants to work in the midst of us you know there are some of us who literally need to cross some Jordans in our lives and you're not going to do it if you don't set yourself apart. As long as you stay in this place of trying to be like these other people 
who you have no business being around. I missed that. Reminds me, I missed the scripture. I'm gonna go back to that real quick. You're trying to be around people that you have no business being around. You're trying to exist in a realm that you have no business trying to exist in because instead of being the light in darkness, you've become a part of the darkness. It's time to come out. It's time to come out of that. You know, when you're strengthened after your time and you're set apart, then you can go back over there, you know, for a purpose if God directs you to go back over there. But it's time to be different. It's time to look different if you want something different. That holdup that's in your life may be because you are not valuing the gift of salvation that God gave you. You're not, you, you have not set yourself apart as his possession and as his, as his chosen generation and royal priesthood. You know, how will you behold the wonders if you don't consecrate yourself? So last scripture, I'll leave you with this. Second Corinthians six. And we'll start at the top and then we'll skip over. Second Corinthians. Chapter 6, working together with him, we also appeal to you, don't receive God's grace in vain. For he says, I heard you in an acceptable time, and I helped you in the day of salvation. Look, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We give no opportunity for stumbling to anyone so that the ministry will not be blamed. And then he talks about um, God's ministers. We're going to skip over that um, and go on down to verse 11. We have spoke openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. You are not limited by us, but you are limited by your own affections. I speak as to my children. As a proper response, you should also be open to us. Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. As God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let's pause. He is with us, and, he, and we are his people. He is with us, and we are his people. That's reason enough to separate ourselves, to set ourselves apart. 17, verse 17, chapter 6. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Does that mean we forsake people in need? Or, you know, we, we'll probably come, some of these questions will probably come up in Q&A. The short answer is no, of course not. Here with the years of the Spirit, we cannot act like the world. We cannot make decisions like the world. We cannot... Talk like the world, okay? We are different, and we have to be different. And if we don't have the strength to do it on our own, it's time to call ourselves 
to a time of consecration, of prayer, of fasting, of getting around God. Because the influence of the world is overtaking us, it's time to get with God so that his influence is first and foremost, and so that we can emerge and see the wonders of our God. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for giving us this time of reflection and encouragement and exhortation. I thank you, Lord, that you moved in spite of my weaknesses and my inabilities. I thank you for the anointing that is on me in my life. I thank you for healing me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. But even in my weakness, Lord, you were able to make your will known. I thank you for these people. I thank you, Lord, that in these next 10 days, we will become more like you. We will draw away to be close to you, to hear your words, to reason with you, to commune with you, to sup with you, and fall in love with you all over again. Lord, that we will never take for granted the cost, that we'll never underestimate the precious gift that you've given us in salvation, and that we'll treat ourselves and each other as your people with the utmost respect and care. You are holy, and we want to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.